and welcome to NSDA The Bus Stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I'm Kurt Mackison, the Executive Director, and pleased today to welcome Mike Curis. He's been a previous guest at NSTA The Bus Stop, currently the Director of DOT and Fleet Services for Keystone Insurers Group. And Keystone's a proud royalty partner of NSTA. So, Mike, welcome back to The Bus Stop. Hey, Kurt. Thanks for having me. No, listen, our pleasure. Before we get started, um, I'm sure that most, if not all, of the listeners are familiar with the longstanding relationship between Keystone and NSTA, but uh, perhaps they don't know your particular role that you play within the organization. So can you give the listeners a little insight there? Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, I really started getting involved uh, about 2021 with the NSTA. Uh, in our school bus program. Um, and since then, I think everybody on this call probably knows that auto is a hard market. Um, what I was doing with the DOT compliance and fleet services um, seemed to really go hand in hand with insurance. So that kind of changed my role into the director of DOT and fleet services, which basically encompasses me working with our agents closely uh, for our clients and trying to improve the risk profiles to make them more marketable to the insurance marketplace. So things like the cab reports, you know, if we see a, a pretty bad cab report with a lot of uh, alerts or safer report, people call them too. Um, what I do is I try to go in there with a plan to fix those to make them look as best as they can when once again they're shopping. To say that you're going to get a, uh, a discount on premium is hard to say in this hard market. So what we do is once again, make you as attractive as possible. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Now, we're obviously in the back-to-school period of time here throughout the country. Um, you, you know, most schools are now, uh, if not all, are back in, in session. So it's really a good time to talk DOT compliance. So what's the difference between, um, you know, a DOT and a non-DOT driver? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, this is actually a pretty confusing subject for a lot of contractors, it seems. Um, basically, so for a driver that has a vehicle that they're driving, that's going to be nine passengers, including the driver or more at that point, they would be considered what would be a DOT driver. <clears throat> so things like the medical card and, um, you wouldn't have to do drug testing until you went to 16 plus passengers, once again, including the driver. Um, but the big thing here is to remember when you're changing from a van driver, which is very common, obviously, um, what we do, changing a van driver from a van driver to a CDL driver. Um, what I always like to say is let's keep them on the same playing field, treat those non-DOT drivers as DOT drivers. No, they can't be in the same drug and alcohol pool as those DOT drivers, but we should have them in a non-DOT drug and alcohol pool. Um, just try to keep them on the same type of playing field with those DOT drivers so it's an easier transition once I do put them into that DOT role. And, and I guess you, you see that often that uh, the non-DOT drivers, so to speak, then kind of um, elevate to, to DOT drivers at some point. Yeah, and I, I will point out one thing. Um, so one thing that I do a lot for our customers is if they're getting audited by the DOT, I assist with that whole entire process. Now, for our customers, what we hope is that they already went through our process and they're up to speed. Um, but the biggest thing that we're finding with school bus companies is when they're promoting those drivers or teaching them how to, how to become CDL drivers, 
um, they're not treating those people as new hires because that person might have worked for your company for the last six years. But in the mm-hmm. DOT realm, you have to treat that person as a new hire. So what you would do, you would have to send them for a non-DOT, or I'm sorry, a DOT drug and alcohol test pre-employment. And then you'd have to pull a query on that person to a pre-employment query to the clearinghouse. And those two things from what I'm seeing are not happening often. So just a, an awareness out there. If we're doing that. Make sure that's a common practice that we do. Yeah, that's a interesting nuance you bring up and, uh, you know, good advice that you, you're giving here. Um, so when, when do school bus drivers need to follow DOT regulations? So once again, it'd be that nine or plus passenger. Uh, but it's kind of strange, you know, between nine and 15 passengers, you would have to be what they would consider a DOT driver, but non-CDL. That means that you wouldn't have to do drug and alcohol testing. And then anything 16 plus would include drug and alcohol testing plus a CDL. And uh, of course, you know, we all know that we have to maintain file, um, you know, for our DOT drivers. You know, what should be in that file? So when I go to do these audits, um, what I try to do is educate. And when I say audits, what we the big thing that I do is we provide mock DOT audits. So I'm not the DOT, uh, but what we try to do is a proactive approach. We go in as if we're the DOT, we try to fix all your issues. So that if the DOT does come in, that they're fixed. Now, be, that being said, when I go into a company and ask for the driver qualification file, usually I get a, a three-inch. Uh, manila folder of paperwork and that's just their mm-hmm. personnel file their medical file their i9s are in there everything so if you put your yourself in an auditor's shoes and you hand them this humongous uh file to sift through you know that they're kind of probably going to be annoyed with you and they might make it tougher on you so what i like to do is i show them what's in a personnel file and then what's in a dq file and only the things that are in a dq file should be in there which is a driver application for employment and this is not a standard application either. It has to be a DOT compliant application. Um, you could find more information on that, obviously, on the FMCSA or by reaching out to me. We have to do the clearinghouse and you have to show your queries within your file. So whether that's pre-employment or the limited query on the annual basis. Uh, when somebody does get hired, we need to pull an initial three-year MVR and then on an annual MVR thereafter. One thing that has changed in the past year, we used to have to do what's called a certificate of violations where you're sending this off to all your drivers. Um, they're telling you the violations that they had in, at work or in their personal life in the past 12 months. That no longer has to be done by the, uh, per the FMCSA, but what we do have to do is an annual review of the driving record and sign off on it. Documentation is key with all this stuff. If you look at an MBR, we need to make sure we're signing off and checking that this driver is eligible or not eligible to drive. Um, the driver's road test, that's something that I always think that should happen. I mean, it's obviously a really good practice to make sure that our drivers are capable of driving the vehicles that we have. Uh, however, a CDL does satisfy that requirement. So going back to what we talked about, anything 9 to 15 passenger, mm-hmm. you would have to do a road test because they do not have a CDL. So that is actually a requirement that you would have to do a documented road test from the 9 to 15 16 plus, once again, they have a CDL, so that would satisfy that requirement. We would also need to have their medical examiner certificate in there. And this is a big one that I noticed that people are missing. It's verification of the medical examiner. So there is a website called the National Registry. If you just wanted to Google and type in National Registry FMCSA, it's going to pop up. 
And what you do is you can put in your address or whatever it is, and it'll give you local areas that are registered examiners for DOT drivers. Now, when we get our medical examiner certificates from our drivers, there could be a number on there. It's a national registry number. So to verify that, we have to go into the website, take a snapshot to show that this driver is, or that this um, medical examiner is registered through the national registry. And then the last two things here, uh, we'll photocopy of your driver's license. I always recommend the front and back. And then the checklist for multiple employers. Now, this is a difficult one for us in this industry because a lot of part-time drivers we have, which means that they have maybe more than one job. The problem with that is hours of service follows the person, not the company or the vehicle. So what that means is if I bartend on the weekends and then drive a bus on Monday, I have to account for my hours that I work for that entire week. So by getting this multiple employer checklist, it's asking the driver, do you currently have another job? Yes or no. Do you plan on getting another job? Yes or no. And then basically it signs off saying that they have to let us know um, in the event that they do. Because that would be, as you can probably understand, very difficult. You'd have to get the hours from their other job and then calculate it against the hours that you're working them. It would be a fiasco. So this is almost like a CYA, just something that you want to have on file. Because if in the event of an accident and the DOT comes in, that's probably one of the first things they're going to do is to see if that person has another job. Yeah, interesting. Um, and, and a lot of great information there, uh, Mike. Let's uh, pivot a little bit. Um, you, you know, typically when I get, you know, folks within the insurance realm on the podcast, we invariably talk about risk management. So I don't want to leave you out of the party on that. What are you seeing <laughs> these days in, in terms of risk management topics? Uh, so the biggest one for sure in my realm is telematics. And, um, you know, there was a time where on the insurance application that you've got to check a box saying that your insured has telematics and it's like, that's great. They'll get some sort of discount or whatever it may be, or, you know, they're a better risk. However, nowadays they're saying, okay, you have telematics, that's great, but what are we doing with that information? And what we're seeing across the board is everybody wears a lot of hats in these companies. Um, right. They're doing multiple things and it's hard for them to review that criteria. Um, so we are actually providing a service now to clients that if you have a Samsara GPS Insight, that's the one actually that we partnered with, GPS Insight, um, whatever it may be, any system that you have, we actually go into the system. We wean out the violations. Like an example, if you itch your head, it might say if there's a camera facing you, it might say that you're on your phone. We get rid of all those violations. And the reason we do that uh, is because if you're going to utilize your driver score and try to incentivize based off your driver score, you need to have real information. Um, so we basically do that on behalf of the client and then send them weekly reports that says John Doe needs to have X, Y, and Z type training because they had these violations. So we really try to take the load off the client and basically get the most out of their telematics system that we possibly can. And I actually have a success story with this. There's a client uh, that I have out in Iowa that their worst driver, uh, one of their drivers, she was like getting like, a, I think a thousand is perfect in this system that they have. She was consistently getting 600 by going through this and uh, with our people going through the coasting and actually they post all these driver scores now in a common area so that it's almost like a challenge. Uh, that person went from a 600 to an 850 in like a two week period. So it's, it's, it is powerful. The information that you're getting there. So to, to actually use it is, is something that just, I mean, it's, 
if you're paying for the service and you're not utilizing it, then you might as well not even have the service. Yeah, very true. Very true. Now, the other thing um, that we talk about you know, frequently when we get insurance guests on, on the podcast are risk management, best practices. And this is not a sexy subject you know, for folks, but it really is something that everyone should pay attention to because it'll um, assist you um, in, you know, possibly lowering your premiums. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, you know, it's hard to say about lowering premiums just because of where the market's at, but to make you more attractive is what I like to say, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, I mean, the best thing I could tell everybody is to be proactive and not reactive. If we're proactive, we're doing the trainings. Uh, we're looking at telematics, and the thing you think about that—that's real time going with that driver's behavior on the roadside, whether it's harsh turns, harsh brakes, speeding—and we're correcting those issues. And if it doesn't fix, then we put disciplinary action in, in place. And I know that's hard to do when we're trying to find drivers, but I mean, you know, they have a pretty uh, important commodity that they're, that they're uh, transporting, so uh, we need to hold them accountable. Um, so they go through all that training and stuff like that. And going back to what I said earlier, there's a lot of things in place for the DOT drivers, but for the non-DOT drivers, I would try to treat them as if they are DOT drivers, not only just for the safety aspect of it, but honestly, if you're going to move them from a non-DOT to a DOT, it makes that transition just a lot easier. Yeah, a lot of great information, Mike. Um, if folks want to learn more about Keystone and then also your DOT and risk management programs, where can they find that information? So our website uh, is keystoneinsgrp.com. However, for DOT specifically and risk management, I would say reach out to me specifically. Uh, you can do that through email at mkuiros at keystoneins grp.com or you can reach out to our dot helpline at 1-833-888-0211 once again our guest at nsta the bus stop mike curis he is director of dot and fleet services for the keystone insurers group and keystone's a proud royalty partner of nsta mike Thanks for giving us a lot of great information on this podcast. Appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your schedule. And uh, good luck with uh, everything you're doing to assist contractors with back to school. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks for having me.